Right, hello. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I'm Melissa. You're Jonathan. Hello, Melissa. Uh, yes, I'm Jonathan Overend. Melissa is Melissa Wilson, who is from Athletes of the World, former Team GB rower, mm. Olympic standard rower. <laughs> yes, Although, let's Although, sadly, that. you didn't get the opportunity. No, last time we were speaking, I was still training for a then postponed Olympic Games, uh, managed to get very injured and at that point pivoted around to what I always said I cared about, which was sustainability. So in some ways it feels like a, a retirement and a, a plan two, but in other ways it feels like very much where where both of us should be. Yes. As Serena Williams would say, you're evolving away <laughs> evolving, from yes, rowing. Thank you, Serena. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, OK, you quit. You quit. You, you're, you're retired. But I'm delighted to say that means you can spend time with us on the Emergency on Planet Sports sofa because here we are, dare I say quite unexpectedly. Um, no, I think, I think we were always planning to sort of come back it was just trying kind of working out in what shape or form we were going to come back yeah. because the conversation has moved on i know a load of you were engaged with series one and thanks for that so now this is about i think taking things to the next level isn't yeah. it melissa and saying to sport how seriously really are we taking this conversation how much are we really paying attention to what is happening on this planet and how do we as people working in sport at all levels whether that be media athletes, mm. venues, clubs, governing bodies. How much do we care? How much are we excited, really, about the challenge of addressing this issue? Yeah, absolutely. It's that evolution piece, isn't it? Just channeling our inner Serena again. We had episode series one that was looking at the landscape of this problem, how it was impacting sport, the urgency of the situation. Those things are still very present, even more present now. But this is a really exciting opportunity for us to start to really engage with how fast can sport move in the right direction? Where are the success stories? Where can we push that further? Um, and that's what's really exciting about what's going to be happening over the next few weeks, I think. Yeah, and normalising the conversation as well. You know, if, the, the, if there's one thing I wanted to achieve with this, it was to say this isn't just sustainability day or sustainability week. It's like this is this has got to be right at the top of everyone's agenda from yeah. now on. And I, I think at organisations, and I'm particularly looking at, at clubs and, and governing bodies, where, where are the leaders on this? Is this at the top of your agenda? If not, why not? And come come and talk to us about it. Come and tell us about your challenges. Because let's not shy away from the fact there are huge complexities in sports organisations. There are logistical challenges. There are stakeholders who demand this and pull you in one direction and pull you in another direction. But I think we've got to put all that to one side, haven't we? And say that the common thread is that we need... A planet to play our sport on yeah and also use put some of it to one side if it distracts from the progress that we need but actually we don't want to be part of a sector that already has everything nailed here we as a global society need to be making massive leaps and bounds in the right direction actually i think it's an exciting thing that we're in a sector that has challenges because it means that we've got something to overcome and lead the way on so I like, I really like what you were saying about normalising the conversation, but I think as part of that, it's almost saying nothing about the situation that we are in is normal. It's not what's been before. It needs new thinking. It needs braver thinking. 
and recognizing yeah that we need to be really really pushing in order to be where we need to be good well the, the good news is melissa's going to do a lot of that thinking <laughs> for you and she's going to express it over the course of that series so you, you can just be lazy. You can sit there in your boardroom, you can listen to Melissa and you can implement everything tomorrow. Jonathan, someone wise told me that everybody moves further and faster if they do it together. So this is definitely a team sport. We're doing this together. OK, a couple of things to say at the start of this. Uh, we're talking to you from London, England. This is a UK based podcast obviously it's about planet earth but uh, what we really wanted to do in this second series is get out uh, into the real world and speak to people bring you the case studies that we've seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears now clearly we're not going to be jumping on a jet plane every other day to bring you these stories we don't have the budget and we certainly don't have the inclination to do that so this will very much be a uk based series i hope you understand with that uh, worth going global just for a second, though. This is the bit Melissa will hate when we get all doom and gloom with the reality of what we're experiencing with the global climate at the moment. I mean, isn't it crazy? Droughts in Africa, in South America this year, in China as well. Pretty devastating. Likewise, the floods in Australia and surrounding regions, but that's nothing in comparison to what you've experienced in Pakistan with entire villages washed away and millions of people displaced. Our thoughts are with all those affected. We're speaking to you in the UK, where we have experienced an all-time record high temperature this year. In fact, just in the last few weeks, above 40 degrees Celsius. Similar temperatures this summer across mainland Europe as well, and I'm hearing from Spain in the last few days stories of a day of extreme heat, followed by a day of gigantic hailstones and hailstorms. It's impossible to put any logic on the current global weather trends. And if any further evidence is required of the global climate emergency that we're in, this is it. So once again, we're linking all this reality and all these facts with sport because we really believe it's the right thing to do. We really think it's an important thing to do. And the great news for this second series of Emergency on Planet Sport is we're bringing along in Melissa Wilson, someone who actually knows what she's talking about. <laughs> well, I think between us, hopefully, we'll be, we'll be further along that way. But definitely that first series was quite a, without picking it up too much, quite a linchpin for me as I was starting out in this space. Um, because I guess when we were first talking, you're right, yeah, I was still an athlete, still training, had started trying to engage other athletes who were like-minded and concerned about these climate issues. But suddenly you had snow sports and chatting to people over in Australia and um, and really starting to understand, right, this is happening across sport, across the world. Um, and I think that it feels really timely that we're now back here talking about where we've got to, where the progress has been made, what the barriers still are, what the success stories are, what's happening outside sport as well as in the sector um, because this is never going to be a self-contained topic or something that no. we can do once and solve. This is something that is going to be in all of our lives ever increasingly for mm. the next years and decades, really. And so. this is one of the key points, isn't it? This isn't about the future. This is about now. And I think from my point of view, this is one of the things that I've been pleasantly surprised about in the last 18 months is the amount of engagement now that yeah. there is 
in big organisations. So from a sporting point of view, we're talking clubs, governing bodies, venues and events, I suppose those four sectors in particular. I get the impression that at least this is now being talked about. And that idea that our footprint is so great, we can't really engage in this conversation because who are we to offer any sort of comment on this? I feel that that has now started to be broken down. And whether we've helped with this sort of conversation, I don't know. But mm. what I really want to achieve, and I, you know, you tell us what you want to achieve with this series, I, w- I want that conversation to be broken down at the very top of big organisations, yeah. at the very biggest organisations in sport, at all the tours, at all the governing bodies. I don't want this just to be sustainability managers yeah. telling us what they're doing with their recycling. Yeah. And there is going to be a bit of that, by the way, <laughs> on this series, just to warn you. I want this to be CEOs and chairs of boards saying this is now got to be at the heart of our organisation moving forward. Because, frankly, if it isn't, we're all in trouble. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that um, when where we were two years ago felt like trying to start sounding the alarm for some of the impacts that sport was going to be facing. And I don't feel like that is so crucial now. I think most people, even in a non-sporting context, it's practically impossible to avoid. What's in some ways exciting is that most sports organisations are now turning their eyes towards sustainability and maybe employing sustainability managers or developing a sustainability strategy. But that is often housed quite discreetly within the organisation rather than saying, look, if we want to be growing our sport, if we want there to be fans engaged and, and our sport to be thriving, even if we are stadia uh, internal and we're able to in some ways shut ourselves off from the natural world, we need to be in a functioning society where everybody is thriving in order to really see a positive, exciting future for sport. So this cannot be a discrete piece. And I think for me as well, the the vocabulary that's used, it's tempting to feel like, right, we start with small steps and then hopefully we grow. But anybody who pays any attention to the scale of the problem we're facing would recognise that we can't be facing this in that marginal way. It has to be the big ambitious piece. And sport is so excellent at saying we are going to be high performance, we're going to be ambitious and strive and pursue absolute excellence. I mean, sport mostly is an extremely uncompromising place where you're absolutely about pushing limits and, and jumping over boundaries and hurdles. And so I think we need to be way past the point where sustainability is low on the agenda and and the sentiment is, oh, we're going to pour our energy into high performance. Performance is sustainability. Sustainability is performance. And we have to have that integral piece to protect and really harness the power of sport yeah. for the future that we want. Yeah, so it's, it's more than just taking those small steps, those small, admittedly worthy decisions and yeah. worthy practical steps. It's now about big, radical decisions at executive level. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think there's a piece about flipping the script a bit in that when you said we need radical change, absolutely, we need radical change because it's so different from what we've been doing up till now. But actually, to me, being radical feels like quite a loaded word in today's society with Mm. plenty of negative connotations. And to me, it, it feels like 
being radical is is almost pushing against societal needs and 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 how how we are, are kind of societal contract with each other but actually to me the much more radical in a negative sense the much more radical action is to allow yourself to remain blinkered to how serious the situation is and how much change needs to be it should be seen as simply the rational logical responsible thing to be doing to driving this with yes. all the force we have in it's the a, right direction it's a really good point and i should have listened to you talking about the importance of vocabulary before <laughs> i used that word no. and then that incendiary <laughs> word and wound you up like that um but you Not know listening to you speak there you're absolutely right i mean why should worrying about the future of the planet be radical exactly how I mean, is that on, radical how is that radical yeah and I think what's really scary to me is that we're still producing fossil fuel emissions at the highest rate we ever have. We're not, some countries are managing to curb that, but it's like we're already feeling many of the pressure points, the climate responses that scientists have been warning about over the last year, but it's not actually being met with a recognition that we have to be to use your word, radically reducing the the emissions that are really leading into some of these significant impacts. And I think someone explained it to me recently as emissions being almost like a, a bathtub that we're filling up. And we have, I mean, it's it's a tricky and precarious science to be playing with about, oh, how, how big is this bathtub? But I think the, the scary thing to me is that the hose pipes are still on full pouring in, in some water into this bathtub, carbon emissions into this bathtub. We don't know where the rim of the bath is. We do know that the higher the temperatures go, the more close and the the more we move towards and through tipping points like the permafrost melting, ice melting, that means you've got bigger patches of dark water that soaks in more heat from the sun rather than the ice that reflects, more risks around forest fires, which mean that rather than sucking in carbon, you're having... These, these patches of forest just emitting more and more yeah. carbon into the atmosphere. And all and the it impact feels like, on biodiversity that, that that creates. Well, exactly. And so it feels like, in some respects, it feels like this is a point where we will look back, potentially, unless we really change and act now in an urgent and ambitious way, we will look back at this point and think that this was good. So I think, for me, what feels... Mm absolutely critical is to recognize that we are in a very precious window where we have the luxury of being able to act and able to think and if we sit back or move slowly and crawl towards progress now then we lose this window in which we have that luxurious bandwidth to actually think about how we I, I would much rather if you're sitting a team down Really, you want to be sitting with a team that is prepared, has been able to do their training, has the right nutrition, the right sleep. You do not, not want to be sitting with a team, a society that is really already at breaking point before you start addressing these huge, big issues. So hopefully by now we're all on the same page with that. And frankly, we could go on for a very long time about what is a definite existential threat to sport as we know it. But we covered a lot of those threats and dangers in the first series. If you didn't get the chance to listen to it, thoroughly recommend it. It's available now wherever you get your podcast, Emergency on Planet Sport. I'm Jonathan Overend, joined for the second series by Melissa Wilson. And what we're going to try to do in this second series is look at the collaborative work within this space and the solutions that are being found.
the positive manoeuvring to try to solve this huge issue, the ways of harnessing us as a sporting community, the success stories, the leadership, the ability to inspire, the ability to engage those who perhaps are turned off from these sort of conversations normally. Yes, this is tough, it's hard, it's a challenge, it's scary, but isn't it exciting as well? Doesn't it unlock a lot of potential? Doesn't it give us huge scope for improvement and for making a real difference? There's the scale of the wave approaching. There's the huge threat that this poses to the sport that we love. But the reason why maybe we're both here and why we're so invested in the relationship between sport and sustainability, it's not just about a sector that we care about and gain a lot from being threatened. It's also the massive opportunity that that sector has to shift the dial on this. I would not be in this if that opportunity wasn't there. Most of the time, I try to be really optimistic about where we're going, despite the the 20 minutes that we've (laughs) just spoken. (laughs) It's a very important 20 minutes though, to set it up. Yeah, um, absolutely. You need to be kind of eyes wide open to the current state of play. I was talking to um, someone who's also in sports broadcasting and saying, I mean, do you even really think this is going to work? Do you think that us engaging in sport and sustainability is going to make the scale of change needed? And they sat back, thought for a minute and just said, well, you know, Melissa, I just think if it's not going to be sport, then I have no idea what the other thing would be that can make the level of change that we need. And clearly every sector in society that you've got banking making its adjustments you've got the energy sector shifting you've got charities education the lot but sport does occupy a really unique space in terms of not only commanding engagement from hundreds or thousands or even millions of people but actually with some sports you've got literally billions of people engaged what ties people into sport often to me is that emotional connection where they're being led and empowered by a sense of value set there's coming together around a shared goal and ambition there's the pushing of boundaries there's the shared fear when you're sitting in a watching a match and you're you're on penalty shootout and in some ways I feel like we're all at a penalty shootout stage where we're sitting at the moment and sport feels like one of the best arenas and best metaphors for saying, actually, as humans, we do manage to face things that really scare us and come out the other side stronger for it, successful, having met our goals. And I guess part of what we'll look at through this series is some of the concrete technological maneuvers and the use of recycled products or or shifting to reusable pieces or reducing energy use and think those are crucial as well and sport can definitely kind of push things in the direction there but I think for me it's also the broader less tangible but absolutely crucial piece of helping people to believe this is a match that we can win this is a race that we can push through and it's that kind of emotional and psychological piece that I think is sometimes absent at the moment. And if we just sit back and 
sit on receive mode to the various pieces of climate news that are now proliferating, yeah. then I think we could end up in an even more difficult place than we are in now. So it's like, how do we take all of that? And I guess yeah. it's... No, you're absolutely right. And, and and sport is uniquely placed, as you say, for, the, for those exact reasons. And yeah. if you think of a sports organisation, there are naturally a lot of leaders in that organisation. I mean, take a football club, take a Premier League football club, for example. You've got the captain who's there mm. on the field leading those 11 players. You've got the manager on the sidelines conducting, yeah. setting the strategy. Then off the pitch, you've got the chief operating officer who runs the club on a day-to-day -day basis. You've got the chief executive who makes the big calls, the big decisions. You've then got the chair of the board who holds those people to account. There are an awful lot of leaders there. Yeah. So I suppose what we're calling for are those leaders to lead on the most important topic of all. And sure, it, we've, we've set out the, the doom and gloom, but don't worry, this series isn't going to be all doom and gloom. Mm. But now it's about taking that and showing ambition. You used the word ambition. Uh, David mm. Pocock used that phrase. We, we need to up our ambition. Yeah. if we're really going to get serious about this in, yeah. in the first series. And I think it's exciting. Yeah, it, It's challenging, sure. But yeah. it's also exciting because we can take big steps now that can have massive, massive yeah. influence, which I suppose leads us neatly mm -hmm. onto Athletes of the World, which is your uh, mm. new organisation, relatively new organisation. Tell us what you've done and what yeah. you're trying to achieve with Athletes of the World. Yeah, so I guess when we were catching up as part of the first series, what, eight, two years ago now, nearly, off the back of a postponed Olympics, I had just been working as part of a group called Champions for Earth and as part of that uh, had written this letter to the UK government calling on Boris Johnson and his cabinet to show real leadership in terms of prioritising a green recovery, their premiership of COP26, the climate summit that was being held in Glasgow. And it was the response to that letter, I think, that really ended up directing me off on this avenue that has led to Athletes of the World, because... Well, not, not a response from him, I'm guessing. <laughs> I wish. Did no. you ever get a reply? N no, we didn't no, get a reply. Um, I know. And writing this letter and really the response from athletes was the thing that shifted my direction to what we're now doing because we had 320 GB Olympians and Paralympians sign it and once it was published, it was picked up by kind of 200 different uh, newspapers, television programmes and, and the potential reach was kind of 340 million people. So off the back of that, I was really left working out how do we remove the barriers that exist and prevent more athletes speaking like this and engaging in these issues and actually potentially doing so in a way that goes further than just signing your name at the bottom of a letter because whilst that does have impact what would be really brilliant is if there were athletes who were happy to even smaller things like say at the end of a match oh, it's been really difficult to be playing in 40 degree heat or it's been a real frustration that we're having all of this plastic around or, man, I just love the idea of my club leading the way in addressing some of these climate impacts. I think that would be a much greater step in the direction that we need to go in. So 
mid 2021 I started chatting to um, Olympic sailor Hannah Mills who was just coming off the back of a second uh, victorious Olympic campaign she's now a double Olympic champion the most successful female Olympic sailor ever and we realized that we shared a lot of the same views about how urgent this situation was and the real power that athletes potentially had to speak credibly and impactfully about this. We delivered a video for COP26 in November last year, which had 50 Olympians and Paralympians from around the world incorporated into it. Athletes like Andy Murray and Tom Daly and Elliot Kipchoge, uh, flag bearers from 35 different countries calling on world leaders to say, look, we've just come off an Olympics that nearly didn't happen. We're now at the Olympics of Climate Summits and we need the same level of ambition, determination, deliberate full on 100% effort to deliver on a goal um, from our world leaders because this is the most important issue that affects us all. And we've, I guess, to, if I were to boil down what we're doing, it's twofold. How do we equip athletes to speak really credibly and confidently on these issues? So we deliver athlete education and um, kind of media training pieces and, and things, things like that. And then how do we bring athletes together around campaigns that feel like they authentically represent the athlete voice? Well, we, when we talk about leadership in sport, as, as we both know, the athletes kind of are at the very top. They run yeah, the show I, sometimes. Well, I like well, to think of it more as kind of in a Venn diagram, the athletes are probably the ones with most overlap with the other sectors. Because I feel like in if we have a, a hierarchy piece, then it draws away from the idea that everybody is a really important actor in this space. You spoke about leaders earlier, and I think leadership is important, but everybody needs to be leading on this. There are no passengers. We are all individual people on this earth. And so I, th I think I do see the athlete role as a central one, but yeah. maybe not. But we need harnessing though, don't we? <laughs> We do, but everybody, everybody needs to be just pushing on yes. this one, I would say. Everyone up their ambition. I, I don't see too many yeah. downsides to, to everybody saying, actually, maybe it's it's probably a bit cliched to bring Greta Thunberg into a, a climate-related podcast, but I do often mentally return to the fact that a relatively young teenage girl in Sweden could sit outside her parliament and in the space of a year or 18 months have the impact that that one individual did. So I don't think we have to be the Serena Williams or the Mo Farahs or the Cristiano Ronaldos of this world to make an impact. Having said that, I do think that athletes have a little bit of a head start in terms of the reach they have and that that's an exciting thing to tap into. But I, I do think it's a everybody running as, as quickly as possible in the same roughly the same direction please yeah, yeah. we're kind of thinking out loud as you can uh, as you can tell here mm -hmm. this series is as as melissa says going to take you on a bit of a tour of some of the organizations many of whom got in touch with us after the first series to say look we're we're doing this we're doing that would you like to find out a little bit more about it and obviously you know we're we're, we're friendly guys um, we'll say yes we'll come mm -hmm. down and the first series was made exclusively over over Zoom during lockdown. Wow. So it's just been quite nice to get out 
and meet people and realise that a lot of people in these space do actually exist. Mm. They they have blood through their veins. They're not just a face on a laptop screen, which amazed me, <laughs> Melissa. Amazed you made me. one. Did you not get an excursion to Montrose in episode? Or was that all? That's right. Yeah, I did. I went up. I, I treated myself. That wasn't sound It wasn't effects. technically in lockdown. This has to be made clear. Um, but I did go to Montrose. Must try to go back to Montrose. You've, mm. Do you fancy a trip to Montrose? Well, I'm we based in check, Edinburgh a lot of the time. So well, we should check. Uh, we should check that out. That amazing golf course that uh, was literally being eaten by the sea and I haven't been back since I went it was one of the best days though just visiting that glorious part of the east coast of Scotland so it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun I think and and you know we, we really want you to engage with us as well over the course of this series this isn't going to be a series that's going to come out as a box set and it's going to be done and dusted in a in a couple of weeks this is going to go on for a little while we hope anyway yeah until Melissa decides to come back to rowing <laughs> and then we, ne- we never see her again and she's off onto the lake. Oh, you can you can sit in the cox's seat. We can carry on chatting. <laughs> a cox, me. For anyone who's six met Jonathan, four, yeah. I mean, <laughs> God, you would capsize. <laughs> it would be like a catapult. I'd get in one of your boats, and you'd go flying to Cavershire. Well, a double down the Thames. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds that sounds fun. Um, yeah. So yeah, get in touch at Planet Sport Pod on social media. And great, yeah, looking forward to it. We'll hear from all these people who are doing great work. We'll put our cynical journalist head on. Well, I will anyway. And you'll put your analytical head on. And we'll really, hopefully constructively, dissect what they're telling us and say, well, this this is great, but maybe there are a few challenges we can set along the line because this is a challenging topic, isn't it? And I think the more we can be kept on our toes... All of us, including us in the media space as well. You know, we need to keep this front and centre. This isn't worthy of a a special on a Wednesday and then forget about it. This has to be something that is always at the front of our thinking. Agreed. As you say, Jonathan, please, anybody get in touch. If you've got ideas, if you're doing something interesting in your sport, if you think we should be pushing harder in one direction or another, absolutely, please get in touch. We love to hear ideas and we are developing this as it goes along. So very excited to hear what people are thinking. The most important thing at this moment in time is that you hit that subscribe button or uh, or the follow button on some platforms. You can email us planetsportpod at gmail.com and spread the word because we are back with a second series emergency on planet sport yeah brilliant thank you